Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Welcome back. It is the leadoff on 610 Sports Radio. I'm Brandon Kylie. we got Cody Tapp in with us. Ladies and gentlemen, we have a celebrity in studio with us all day today. It's been great. We got one more hour to go. We are very happy to have him in with us. If you want to get involved in the show, the Protein House Eat With a Purpose text line is 69306. Kramer's on the other side of the glass coming up here in just about 10 minutes. I do want to get Cody's opinion on what is the biggest topic in baseball right now. So we'll get that coming up here in just about 10 minutes. But right now, I think the Chiefs fan base has never been more polarized since the start of the Patrick Mahomes era than it is right now. There are certain people, and I fall into this category, Cody, that believe still that this is a Super Bowl caliber team, and all they need to do is get healthy and get a few things corrected. So you fall into this category with me as well. Get a few things corrected. They're still a team that is capable and potentially can win a Super Bowl this year. There are other fans right now, and I don't blame you for being here because what we've seen over the past month really is frustrating that believe that this team is not a Super Bowl caliber team. They have too many issues. The run defense is too bad. The offense has regressed a little bit. And the special teams are too bad that they can't overcome these issues that are fundamental and will no longer be a Super Bowl caliber team. And then there are a lot that are somewhere in between. I saw earlier this week on Arrowhead Pride, they have this, I don't know if you've seen this, Cody, they have a poll of Chiefs fans and how confident they are in the direction of the team. Went under 50% this week for the second time this year. The first time was right before the Broncos game. I think this is the week where if they bounce back, Chiefs fans are going to be right back to where they were beforehand thinking this is a Super Bowl caliber team. If they lose, this is going to be the low of the lows that Chiefs fans have been since Patrick Mahomes took over. In fairness, if they lose again, now you start calling into question their ability to win the division? Yeah, this is the first time if they lose on Monday night. The division's night, actually at risk. That I will then have to admit, okay, I don't think this is a Super Bowl caliber team. Because if you are, I think you win this game. The reason the reason why I always, like at almost any point this season, the, right, the reason why I always think they can win the Super Bowl is Patrick Mahomes in this offense. Yeah, 15. That's enough to convince me that they can just get on a hot run, outscore three teams in a row, four teams in a row, and win a Super Bowl. Now, the level or the ease of which they do it changes with each game that they struggle to lose. They do lose games like that Titans game. I don't think that, that necessarily should shatter your confidence to a core, but there is a part of me that is constantly concerned about the fact that it keeps happening. This isn't like whenever we're like, oh, it's just a game. Good teams lose bad games. You're like, you're right. You know what? You're right. The Patriots did lose a game like that to the Dolphins last year. On Into the way Titans, to 13 actually. wins. And the number two seed, the Chiefs aren't going to do it that way. And the problem is, is that the, the Chiefs do this every year. There's some loss like this. And a few times it's come up in the playoffs. 
which is a bad time for it to come up. It's twice happened against the Titans to open the season a few years back with Andy Reid. This year to the Titans, it's happened again. It happened to the Titans in the playoffs. So that might just be the team that it seemingly just continues to rear its ugly head on where things go bad at the end and all of this seems to unravel at the same time. The Colts game obviously being another example of that in the playoffs. But if they win this week, and I think they will, nothing has really changed for me fundamentally about what type of team I thought they needed to be in order to win the Super Bowl, which was top 20 defense and be the offense you've been. They're still the offense they are. Minor differences in how many touchdowns Patrick Mahomes actually throws or scoring by a point or two, while I understand generally that still matters. Just looking at this team as a whole, they are constructed the exact same way they were, which was a coin flip away from a chance to go to the Super Bowl. So why aren't they Super Bowl caliber? There's nothing that has changed my opinion that that's still plausible, other than the fact that they've made their life harder because they're less likely to get a bye now that they had last season. Yeah, they, they have chosen now by virtue of them losing games, the more difficult path, right? Yeah. I do feel like this reminds me of, and I mentioned this previously, the Broncos game. Because I remember I was producing the drive that week, and this was Sean Levine's prediction for how the Chiefs were going to beat the Broncos. Listen to this, because I think it kind of, it depicts a lot of how Chiefs fans were feeling going into that game. I think Joe Flacco's going to go off. The running game for the Broncos is going to have a buck 80. The passing game for the Broncos is going to have 275. Pat's ankle's an issue. The run D's an issue. The run O's an issue. The secondary's a major issue. Andy's a bit of an issue right now. I'm going to take the Broncos plus three and a half points, but I'm going to take the Chiefs. Flacco's going to shred them. The, <laughs> the Broncos are going to run for 180. The run game is an issue. Andy Reid's an issue. Sound familiar? Like, that's how we feel about the Chiefs again right now. And so, truthfully, though, they don't, they don't, the last couple of years, because the defense has been so bad, there haven't been a lot of runaways. No. No. There, there haven't. And there, the there. NFL doesn't have a lot of runaways in general, understandably. But there is a point to be made in the things tend to stay close. They do. And some of that is because of Patrick Mahomes in the losses, right? Like, oh, yeah. one thing that people have mentioned a lot this week, and I just, th there's nothing that I can make of it because it's just, a sh uh, it signifies how good Patrick Mahomes is. A lot of people have brought up the fact that they've lost more one-score games consistent or consecutively than any team in NFL history. Like the, the number of games that they've lost by one score instead of losing one of those by ten or more, right? Yeah, is the most ever. It's, it's the longest streak in NFL too, history way, because that goes back to that streak they're talking about is like the last fifty or sixty games. It's not just the Mahomes era. So, so, they just don't lose by double digits very often at all. Sure. And so basically what that says is the Chiefs never lose by a lot. Of course, because they have Patrick Mahomes and he's going to keep you close in games even when you're losing, right? And so what am I supposed to make of that? Nothing. I, I make nothing of it. They've lost a lot of one-score games. They've also won a lot of one-score games this year. And that's kind of the problem is they haven't really taken – they haven't they haven't pulled away from any of these teams really outside of Denver. And that's why this game reminds me of Denver in that – Going into that game, they had lost the two consecutive games against the Colts and the Texans, and then they just pound the Broncos. I think this has the feel of that because the defense has been hearing all week now, more so now than ever before, you're soft. You can't get the job done. This team isn't a Super Bowl contender anymore. If this defense has the rabbit ears that I think they do, I think a lot of those guys on that side of the ball listen to some of that stuff nationally, and we heard some of it kind of creep out this week in some of their comments. 
I think they're going to have every reason this week to be inspired, to be motivated, to go out there and play their best possible game against the Chargers, both from what they've heard and also what happened to them a week ago. It's the perfect storm of when this team is typically great and he has extra time to prepare. Not way extra, but a day extra to prepare. It's a divisional game. We know how well they've succeeded there. Patrick Mahomes in divisional games has been particularly good, and he has always been great in primetime games. He shows up. Now, they've lost games, that they, but he's always shown up. So it's like the perfect culmination. So if they lose, it is it probably should be confidence shattering. Yeah, and division games too, right? Andy, 22 and 3, yes, or 23 and 3 in his last 26 games against the division. And it really matters. They even had, like, some of those divisional games, like, they already had that division locked up. They were never really at risk of losing it. They only have a one-game lead in the division. It actually does significantly matter that they take down the Chargers and keep them at arm's length while not allowing the Raiders to make up the difference. The Raiders, God. Um, that, I mean, that's the position they're in. If you're tied for the division lead with the Raiders, how confident can you be? And the biggest thing maybe this week is it sounds like for the first time since week one. And it is bizarre because the Mexico game. I, I get that there's like an extra little wrinkle in there. but For the first time since week one, it sounds like all 11 starters that were expected to start for you coming into the season are actually going to start for you. And I can't overstate how big that is. Mahomes is finally healthy. I can't believe we're saying that he's healthy despite the fact that, what, four weeks ago he dislocated his kneecap. But he looks very healthy. And the rest of the offenses as well. Sammy Watkins is going to play. Tyree Kill's back. The full allotment of receivers are out there. And this week, sounds like Eric Fisher and LDT are going to be back. And Mitchell Schwartz is going to give it a go with his knee. So the entire offensive line is there. All of your receivers are there. Your running backs are all there. The entire offense that we thought was going to be the best in the history of the NFL is finally out there together. And we're going to see it on Monday night against the Chargers in Mexico City, which is huge. You can't overstate how big that is. They did, however, lose the guy who's leading the team in sacks for the year. So we probably shouldn't just like totally dismiss that, right? We're talking about the offense. We're, ta I, we're talking about the offense right now, Cody. You don't have to bring people down. We're talking about the offense. Positivity. You know, <laughs> That's right. Offensively, they've been really, they've been one of the best offenses in the league. No question about it. One of the best offenses, most dynamic offenses in the league, and all they're doing is getting healthy. So what's not to like? And they have they have throat-stomped the Chargers for years in this division. So the Chargers will be motivated once again because they need this to stay in the division hunt, to stay in the playoff hunt, to do all the things that they had in mind for this season. This game matters for them equally as much. I just feel like the Chiefs are still the better team. I still think they're the best team in the division. I still think they're a top three team in the AFC, that being the Patriots. And I think pretty clearly the Ravens have established themselves yeah. as that. And tomorrow they've got a huge one as well against the Texans. That'll that'll go a long way in terms of the seeding as well. He's Cody Tapp. I'm Brandon Kylie. We've got Kramer on the other side of the glass. It is the leadoff on 610 Sports Radio. If you guys want to get involved in the show, the protein I'll eat with the purpose text line is 69306. Coming up here in just about 15 minutes. There's one simple fix that the Chiefs need in order to get back to where they were a year ago. We'll get into that coming up at 1130. But coming up next, how many different directions could the Royals go this fall? We'll get to that. And Cody has a thought on the biggest story in baseball right now. We'll get to it all coming up. It is the leadoff on 610 Sports Radio. The leadoff with Brandon Kiley, 610 Sports Radio. Welcome back. It is the leadoff. It's 610 Sports Radio. I'm Brandon Kylie, Cody Tapp alongside. Mizzou's playing an 11 a.m. game. I'm on the air right now. There's nothing I can do. 
Mizzou with the third and 13. Decided the best thing to do, run a crosser for five yards and overthrow the guy across the middle. Run all the routes short of the line. Short of the... Going to be a long day, ladies and gentlemen. But I will do my best to pick myself up. We shall overcome. What happened? Remember when they kind of looked good for a while? Not kind of. They were good. They were legitimately good. I tweeted that they were good. I wrote for Rockham Nation about how they were good. They were legitimately good. They were ranked in the top 25 in the AP polls. They were in all the Vegas rankings, a legitimate top 15 team. There were actual like computer models that said this is a top 10 team in the country. And then they stopped being good. They just, they ceased to exist. The team that I watched for the first seven weeks was gone. They disappeared. I don't know what happened. They went into some sort of like alternate universe. And then for the last month, I've watched a different football team because the team that I've watched stinks. They're terrible. They're not good. They lose on the road to Kentucky. They get destroyed by Vanderbilt. They get absolutely decimated in a game that you kind of expected them to lose on the road at Georgia, but they get shut out for the first time. And I believe it was five years This team is not good. It is not good at all, but that's not what you came here for. I understand that. So, instead, we'll talk a little baseball. Cody, you texted me this morning, and you were like, you know what? I want to give some thoughts about stealing signs in baseball. I have very few thoughts on stealing signs in baseball, but I want to let you cook because you graced us with your presence this morning. What are your thoughts on what is the biggest story in baseball right now? Well, obviously, in case you haven't been paying attention, baseball's going through... It's going to have a tough time deciding how to punish at least the Astros, maybe the Mets, because it could have been Carlos Beltran, who was the header of the entire sign stealing for Houston. And the Milwaukee Brewers have also been tossed around as a few other teams. The idea that they were using electronics to steal signs. Now, the problem in baseball has always been there's been an accepted amount of cheating in baseball that everyone is just fine with, which is weird to say. But it's just like agreed upon that we're all, it's, um, I guess it falls under the umbrella of gamesmanship, right? The guy on second stands down there, he sees a sign. We did it, right? I'd be like 13 years old. You probably would too. You'd stand down there on the other side. You'd hold your fist down. The guy shows that two up there. You're like, look, here comes the curveball. Here it is, Jimmy. And, And we would all just agree that this was a part of the game. But the second the technology advanced to the point that you could actually do it, they started limiting things, right? Ned Yost couldn't wear his Apple Watch on the sideline anymore. They weren't putting tablets or anything. They, they were limiting what they were making available to teams because they understood that there's a large part of baseball that knowing what is going to come from a pitch is a fairly sizable advantage, which is why catchers have such complicated signs. Now enter the Astros, who were apparently stealing signs, using electronics, and then signaling it a la Seinfeld... You know, Kramer, of all characters, <laughs> you know, trying to get his attention to dunk, you know, dunking his coffee in there. <laughs> and you can hear it. People posted 700 different clips yeah. of them doing it. <laughs> Curveball, right? Change up. It's coming. There's clips for the Royals. Any teams across baseball. The issue here now in lines with the same thing that happened to me in the steroid year, and I think that's the most fascinating part about it, is it's something that everyone is doing, therefore I accept it as being a level of cheating that you can't control. Or that you can control, but you start doing it now. And the punishment for, like, Garrett Cole's not a Cy Young winner because, or, you know, Justin Verlander shouldn't win the Cy Young because he knew what people were doing. Or Alex Bregman shouldn't be an MVP candidate, more likely, because he knew the sign was coming. Does or it change something for the pitchers, though? 
Not a ton. No. Okay. I was about to no. say, I, I don't feel like that should change anything for what the pitchers were doing. I think they were just dominant. Like yes. they were just amazing. But from a hitter, like Alex Bregman, right? Sure. A top two totally changes Christian, everything about what the hitters Christian, have been doing. Christian Yelich, who, you know, has been awesome the last couple of years for the Brewers. And they've been saying they've been accused of similar actions. The steroid year, like when people vote on the Hall of Fame, vote them all in. Everyone was cheating. It was pervasive in the sport. Baseball essentially condoned it. They didn't do anything to combat it, and they just allowed it to happen. So the idea that Barry Bonds shouldn't be in the Hall of Fame because he cheated is silly because everyone was cheating. And Agreed. I do mean everyone. Was it 100% of baseball players? No. But there are stats that there are players that will tell you it's 80% at the time that that was taking place. So here's the problem I have with the sign stealing. It's a major, it, it's a major violation to me in allowing the sport to be competitive in the sense that if you know what's happening, baseball's so hard to hit. But if you know what's coming, it's not as bad when you're a professional baseball right. player. And if you're one of the two teams cheating at this level, it becomes a problem. And the Astros have now been accused of cheating multiple ways, over time, all under this same organizational realm in which they clearly almost Belichickian agree that we're going to take this to the furthest possible point until we're dinged in which case i think baseball has to make a big and i do mean big statement in punishing them for this if they can prove that they did it because if everyone's doing it i know it's different and you can treat it different going forward but i honestly don't think that other teams are doing it that's why i think it's different i don't think the royals and anything that i can gather for people who talk to me on or off the record i don't think that they have employed a strategy. God, if they have, then it's gone terribly wrong and they're really bad at it. (laughs) All I would say is the Royals should be better at cheating if they are doing this. At least for some of the other players. Yeah, Hunter Dozier had a great year. Whit Merrifield had a great year. There's players, but I don't think, from anybody who will talk to me about it, I don't think that they've employed this. And I don't think a lot of teams have. I think this is the Astros saying, look, we're smarter than everyone. Remember when we figured out pitching analytics better than everyone? Well, we figured out hitting, too. We cheated <laughs> to do it. And I think that they have to be punished in a large way if that's how they handle And that's like Mike Fires was on the pitching staff. Yep. So I don't know why he'd be lying about it. He's on a major league roster. He was on the Astros roster. Am I wrong? No, you're not wrong. And my the, the one thing that I have on this is... The thing that you said that I think makes the most sense, the thing that makes this different, is the technology. And I think uh, that's where baseball where has baseball a real problem it here. to happen. Like, your eyes can do what your eyes can do for you. Sure, that that's fine. The problem is, I don't know how you correct this moving forward. Like, how do you prevent this in the future from happening? And that's where baseball has a bit of an issue on its hands of, okay, we probably figured at some point this was going to become a problem. There was there was going to become a team. There were rumors that the Blue Jays had a guy sitting in the stands years. with binoculars stealing signs. The second you give that dude an iPad, you change the game. And so that's where I think they have a problem moving forward is how do you how do you prevent this in the future? How do you make sure that teams across the league, across ballparks everywhere, do not do something you like not, this you, moving you forward? Do it? I actually have an answer for you. You give the pitcher and the catcher headsets just like you do in the NFL he's a mic he's a quarterback he has the dot on the back of his hat and he directly communicates with the catcher and nobody else into the problem 
There's no more the sign nonsense. We actually have the technology to solve all. Why are we still giving That's signs? True. That's a good point. I mean, coaches on the sidelines still do this for audibles <laughs> or whatever, but you could just give the pitcher the ability to talk to the catcher. You make a good point, actually. Great. Problem solved. We all solved it. Okay. Like, I don't know if the distance can create enough so that the catcher can't be heard by the batter. There's some stuff to work. The pitcher can just say it. All you do is just like the pitcher already yeah, covers now, his but mouth. Now, but, now the, the, but now the catcher is not giving, telling him what to throw. Right, but the pitcher can say the six different pitches that he can throw, and typically it's more like two to three for most of these guys. Or it can be a one through six system too that you don't know. Like it could yeah. still be a sign in there, you know. And then the, the catcher, if he disagrees with it, if that's not what he wants him to throw, says no. And then when you get to the pitch that he wants to throw, he says, yes. That seems like a pretty simple system to me. If they're talking, though, wouldn't the batter hear it? Just not, not the pitcher. No, I'm okay. saying the pitcher is talking. Okay. The pitcher says, change up. And the catcher says, no. And the pitcher says, fastball. And the catcher says, no. And the pitcher says, curveball. Anyway. And the, the catcher says, yes. Pitcher shakes and then off. he's like, okay, I'm throwing a curveball here. And actually, I think Cody Tapp just solved baseball. It, he what? solved their issue. <laughs> It does change who gives the sign first if you do it that way. But this idea that we're giving them the opportunity to, you know what it also could be? Just like a Morse code system. Like he could have something on his person that allows him to communicate. Like it's not, there's technology in place that can eliminate some of their ability to do it. They should come down hard on the Astros, but they legitimately have to find a solution for this. Right. It's not just the punishment. It's also, okay, we, we have we have identified a problem. Because the now, Astros, how do we find the solution? The Astros or other teams aren't going to stop. Like, the, if you were doing it and the Astros get knocked for it, you're not going to stop doing it. You're just going to stop yelping. You're just going to be like, hey, stop when, making it obvious. hey, when Moylan hangs over the railing, it's a curveball. <laughs> when it's Smith who hangs over, it's a fat. Like, they're just going to come up with a, a quieter. Yeah. A quieter answer to all of this. So thankfully for baseball, here at 610 Sports Radio, we have Cody Tapp. Yeah. And he solved their problems by giving them a $100 headset per team. I think we found it. We found the solution here on the show. Coming up next, there's one simple way the Chiefs can solve everything that's plaguing them. Just as Cody T Tapp fixed baseball, I'm about to fix the Chiefs. We'll do all it right. next on the leadoff on 610 Sports Radio. The leadoff with Brandon Kiley, 610 Sports Radio. Welcome back. It is the leadoff, 610 Sports Radio. I'm Brandon Kylie. Cody Tapp sitting in with us all day today. He just fixed baseball. I'm about to fix the Chiefs. You ready for this, Perfect. Cody? I'm ready. So the Chiefs had a really significant advantage last year. You may have heard about it. It was something about the offense. They were pretty good. Yeah. They were pretty good. But there was one place in particular that the Chiefs were so overwhelmingly better than everybody else in all of football that nobody else could keep up with them. Here's what it was. The Chiefs were unbelievable in the first quarter. Last year in the first quarter, the Chiefs averaged nine points per game. So nine points per game in the first quarter. Basically, they Simple were, math would tell you they'd be a 36 per game team. Yeah, they points were they were just blowing the doors, doors off of teams right when the game opened up. And now the reason why that's significant is they weren't just good on offense in the first quarter. They were actually really great on defense in the first quarter. They were holding teams. They also deferred a ton, so that's really impressive. Yeah, so they were holding teams in the first quarter last year to three points per game. So they were in the first quarter up, on average, nine to three. Yeah. They were basically up by a touchdown every game after the first quarter. That has disappeared this year. For whatever reason, the defense this year is averaging seven points allowed per game in the first quarter. So the defense is giving up 
a touchdown every game in the first quarter. The offense, on the other hand, is scoring six points per game in the first quarter. So what's changed with this team? Why are they not playing quote-unquote complimentary football? Because they're getting behind. Other teams are actually outscoring them in the first, first quarter. And so now other teams, what do they do? They run because they're up, and so they're allowed to run. They have the opportunity to run. The Chiefs' biggest weakness is their run defense, so why wouldn't you run? And the Chiefs, on the other hand, get behind early, and so now they're not playing from ahead and having all of the advantages that come from that. One of their biggest problems this year is the first quarter. Last year, it was their biggest strength. This year, it's their biggest problem. It accentuates the biggest weakness that they have defensively, and it doesn't allow them to play from ahead on offense where teams are guessing what's going to come their way. This is something that if they're able to get it fixed, and it is something that I believe is correctable, this is how down the stretch they look like the dominant team that they were a year ago. So do they stop deferring? Do you take the ball and score, or do you just rely on... Because Here's the problem. The, the, the problem with, like, just, hey, let's be better in the first quarter is... Yeah. Which exact way do you attack it? Now, if you're scoring six points versus nine, a field goal difference is certainly undeniably different. And some of that could just come... It's the same thing on defense. Like, it's, it's a six-point swing. It's the scripted version. The first 15 plays on both sides is when both teams know what the other team is going to do. Right. Which, for me... Point defensively, if you're four points worse than Sutton was last year, then what what do they know? Like, what do you think they're going to do at the beginning of the game versus what they've really been doing in the game? So you better adjust. Like, that goes back to Spagnuolo's comments that we talked about at the beginning of the show, yep. which is, I didn't think they were going to run, man. We were up two scores. We're like, no, man, they're going to run. They are definitely going to run. The Tennessee Titans, that's what they do. So whatever it is you think teams aren't going to do in the first quarter, they are definitely doing it right now, which means you've got to script yourself differently you've got to show them something different whether that's blitzing all the time or playing more conservative whatever it is on your end that you're not doing the same every week you better figure out a different plan for that offensively though i mean do you take the ball to get the points to try to get ahead i'm not opposed to it i'm to not play opposed. different yeah absolutely go ahead. like if you win the toss instead of deferring to the second half say we have the best offense in football. We still believe that we have the best offense in football. We're going to take the ball and we're going to go score. And we're going to be up now, seven and make you feel bad about yourself. And now you put your defense in a more advantageous spot. And by the way, when you're on offense, go for it on fourth down. If you get to midfield, fourth and two, go for it. Do what the Ravens did against you. Now, it didn't work for them. The Chiefs got the stops. But on fourth down, go for it. Fourth and two, fourth and three from the 35. Don't settle for that 52-yard field goal. Go ahead and go for it there. Keep your offense on the field. Drive the length of the field. Score that touchdown. Go up 7 nothing. Put your defense in a more advantageous spot. If they get a stop, now you potentially go up two scores. And this is where you actually get into a spot where the other team is potentially thinking about not running the ball anymore. The timing of the game is the most important thing you're talking about here. The first quarter. Remember all of this buildup. You have Patrick Mahomes. If you screw this up, Go for fourth and two on the 30-yard line. You don't get it. They go down, and you're up 7-0. You still have what they don't, which is Mahomes. Yep. Very few teams have that, which means your ability to play catch-up is much easier than any other team's ability to play catch-up. There are a few that can do it. We mentioned the Ravens and the Patriots being two that seemingly are pretty good at closing a gap from time to time. But for the most part, you live in an island. In the sense that if you were up two scores, it's much easier for the Chiefs to manage that deficit than it is for almost any other team in the NFL to do it. That's why in the first quarter, maybe what you're talking about, I am pro going for it on fourth and two on the plus side of the yeah. field. 
95% of the time, I do think that you have to look at situations and like kicking the field goal last week to go up nine didn't bother me because you were making it two scores. And I felt like that was doing what you intended to do with it and put the game away. But it was 12 minutes. That's a lot of time left in the field. You might feel different. But in the first quarter, there's almost no scenario in which you shouldn't be trying to throttle. If that's and especially if you're talking about the difference was last year you're up a touchdown and this year you're trailing after the first quarter that's a significant disadvantage. The other thing that I would say is I think a lot of people have been criticizing the defense of late, and I get that. I mean the run defense, there is no denying it's been atrocious for much of the season. They had a few weeks where they were really good, but for much of the season it's been really bad. I would ask you this: What do you think is more likely? You think it's more likely? that the Chiefs' offense takes a step forward in the last six weeks of the season from where it's been, or the Chiefs' defense takes a step forward from where it's been? Offense. I think the answer to that question is the offense. Always offense. <laughs> and so if yeah. that is the case, how do you maybe ignite that? How do you spark that? It's by being more aggressive. It's by going forward on the fourth downs. What have we done that has not been working so far this year? How do we correct that? Well, you be super aggressive, and that can be something that gets you going early in the game, and then from there, you just take off. I don't like – it's hard to know what their actual philosophy is on it because all you get – the two people who will talk on are Andy Reid who are like, we have a system. Yeah. And I remember Sam Mellinger pride for the better part of like 10 minutes in a press conference last year. Like, what is the system? Is it per this, per that? What Walk me through. And, it, you know, it's just like a no flow. And then you get – Eric Bieniemy, who says even less than Andy yeah. Reid does. He got asked about fourth downs this week. Yep. And it didn't even make any sense. He was like, yeah, we, we talk about that. Sometimes like, we go for it on fourth, sometimes okay. we don't, and we talk about it. You're like, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. okay, well, yeah, I assume that, Eric. <laughs> I mean, that's, hey, Cody, how do you and Brandon get ready for the show? Well, you know, we talk about it. Yeah, now, I'm not looking for more specifics. <laughs> There comes a point in time when we actually do talk about what we're going to talk about on the show. Yeah, oh, like, oh, okay, that that makes sense. Now, what's the process? What's the specific process that goes into it? Do you write it, type it? Do you go back and forth on topics? No. What, what is it about fourth down? And I think part of that, like part of it is just like Eric bien he goes so far to the side of never telling you anything that you're never going to get anything about him from him actually on the offense. And Andy is very protective of that, too. So I know that they have a system, but it is the right one. I don't know. Andy's never been – he's called an aggressive offense, but he's never been – He's super conservative. Hyper-aggressive. Yeah. Yes. He he's, hasn't been. He it's just, weird. It's Because Andy, like, his offense – in the Especially in, like, the moments where, it, like, it calls for, like, that, that little bit of extra aggressiveness that we've seen great – like I think last last night somebody was sending out the tweet. It was the it was like the the five year whatever. I don't remember. It's longer than that probably. The anniversary of Bill Belichick up six points, fourth and going two. forward on fourth and two with yeah. Kevin Falk. Ten year anniversary. I still love that call. It's so screwed up because it's Peyton Manning and there's two oh eight on the clock. If he gets it, it's over. He decided if I get two yards, I can end the game and I win this football game. And I'd rather do that. I'd rather just get two yards. That's the that's the lack of conservativeness I want from Andy. It, not every play. Andy's a great coach. I'm not saying get rid of Andy. I'm not. I'm nowhere close on the side. It's just those when he's given that little bit of opportunity to be just a little aggressive for this minute for this that first quarter when it's a fourth and two. That's when you need him to take it.
Absolutely. It comes down to this for me. What do you trust more, the Chiefs defense to get a stop or the Chiefs offense to get two yards? And my answer to that question with Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes and Tyreek Hill and Sammy Watkins and Travis Kelsey and a healthy offensive line now is always going to be the offense. Always. If it's two or three yards, dial something up, Andy. Just next time, maybe not Blake Bell on a high ankle sprain. That's all I ask for. Even if it's like 90 yards. If you said the defense had to go 90 yards, stop the team from going 90 yards, or Andy Reid had to get two yards from the offense, you would still choose the offense, right? Every single time. <laughs> He's Cody Tapp. I'm Brandon Kylie. It is the leadoff on 610 Sports Radio. We are almost done here. Coming up next, I want to get into what's on the line on Monday night. Because for me, I still think the Chiefs are a Super Bowl contender. That could change on Monday. We'll get into it next. It is the leadoff on 610 Sports Radio. The leadoff with Brandon Kylie, 610 Sports Radio. Putting a bow on this thing here on the leadoff on 610 Sports Radio. He's Cody Tapp. I'm Brandon Kylie. We've got Kramer on the other side of the glass. If you guys want to get involved in the show, the protein I'll see with the purpose text line is 69306. You can always hit us up on Twitter. He's at Cody B Tap. I am at BK Sports Talk. That is during or after. You can hit us up there on the tweet machine. All right, Cody. So that Cody Tapp would never come off the handle. Tried? Oh, way in the early going. I'd never change now. But then, yes. Now you're just, it's a, it's yeah. a staple. Cody B. Tap. That's, I just that's feel like the I should tweet him like once every, I don't know, couple of weeks and be like, how dare you? <laughs> this is mine. It's not like there's a ton of Cody Taps running around the world, you know? It's, it's not exactly the most common yeah. name in the world. He hasn't tweeted since 2016. And basically a, a, a one and only Sean Levine. Sean's, <laughs> I think, uh, tweet, his is even further back. I think it's like 2015. All right, so. What's on the line for the Chiefs on Monday night? I think it's very simple for me. And, Cody, I don't know if you're all the way here with me, but I am of the opinion that this is still a Super Bowl contender. We certainly agree on that. Yes. If they lose on Monday night, it will take away a lot of what I believe this team to be because I think this is a spot where Patrick Mahomes stands up and says, we are not losing this football game. I think the defense stands up and says, have you guys seen what they're saying about us in the media this week? They're saying we're soft. They're saying that we can't play. They're all jumping off of bo- off board. I saw earlier this week, if you were listening to anything nationally, the Chiefs are no longer, in a lot of people's minds, a Super Bowl contender. I think this is the week that that changes. I think they come up with a huge win the way that they did against Denver, and they get people back on board, and people are like, oh, we might have overreacted a little bit. If they don't do that, if they don't go out there and beat the Chargers the way that I think that they should, you're six and five through 11 weeks. You will then have lost, what is it, five of seven? That becomes really difficult for me to come on here on Monday or on Tuesday morning and then say, yeah, the Chiefs are still fine. Everything's going to be okay. They're still a Super Bowl contender. You know, the reason why is because they're out of the excuse game. So, two of those five losses you're talking about, two of those four, I guess, losses you're talking about, Patrick Mahomes was dragging around an ankle, is, you know, unusable ankle. Behind a battered offensive line, there was reasons why they were struggling. They Explanations, they excuses, were, whatever you want to call were, them, but there yeah, were reasons. There, I don't think it's an excuse I to agree, say that but. he was legitimately hurt. And so you could watch he was hurt. The offense wasn't the same in the time that he was hurt. Then the following two games, you get another loss with Matt Moore as your starting quarterback. Okay, that's explainable. The one ex- unexplainable loss is the first week back when a lot of things go haywire fall apart at the last minute to cost you a game against the Titans. Games that happen too far, too often under Andy Reid for my, for my taste. 
But now you're out. Everything is back to normal. It is officially status quo. You are who you are now moving forward from this week on. You're not first week back from Patrick Mahomes when he showed no rust. You're not things going unravelly weirdness to cost you. So that one's under your belt. There's no more. You're officially left with what this team is going forward. I think that's why this week stands out so much versus others is there are reasonable excuses or there are reasonable reasons for everything, explanations for what took place before then, right? Now you're out of that. You're out of the woods on that. You mentioned all 11 guys on offense are back. The defense, while still banged up, is mostly what it's going to be. This is who you are now. The other thing that I think goes into this is the opponent. The Chargers are random team X, right? Like, the Chargers are a very average football team this year. They're not what we all expected them to be. They have some good players. Joey Bosa's a great football player. Yeah, but they're missing Derwin James. They're missing a couple of guys on defense still. They're... This is a team that if you are who we thought the Chiefs are, you should win 100 times out of 100. Like, maybe there's that random one where something goes terribly wrong or injuries go wrong during the game. But if this thing goes according to plan, the Chiefs should win this game. And so Monday, for me, becomes more about the Chiefs than it does about the opponent. There have been a lot of games this year. The Packers game. The Chargers the Texans lost game. the Titans, by the way, just to be clear. Yeah, th- th- like they're not a very ago. good football team. <laughs> Um, there have been a lot of games that you can explain away of, okay, that was as much about the opponent as it was about the Chiefs. The Packers had one of the best quarterbacks in the world, and he did best quarterback in the world type things against you with your backup quarterback. That was as much about the Packers as it was the Chiefs. Sure. The Texans, that was as much about the Texans as it was about the Chiefs. This game's about the Chiefs. This game, the only way you lose is if you lose it as opposed to the Chargers winning it because Rivers isn't the same guy that we've seen in the past. They're not the same offensive line that we've seen in the past. They are decimated by injury on that part of the ball. They're not the same defense that we've seen in the past. This is a team that the Chiefs at full strength, which they are now offensively, should a- absolutely destroy, to be honest with you. They they should score 35-plus points in this game against the Chargers. I expect them to score 30-plus in every game, so that's... But yes, I mean, it's... I, I already said it, but it's the perfect storm of a team that you've completely handled playing not very good football where you have the quarterback advantage, the head coaching advantage. The only advantage you don't have, shouldn't have, is defensively. But you have the offensive advantage that makes the difference there. I just, you're probably right. You and I stand on the optimist side of, I still think this is a Super Bowl contending team. You do too. I still think they are everything that they were as advertised, but the last month to six weeks has been mired in hurt Patrick Mahomes, no Patrick Mahomes, and a fluky loss against the Titans. Mm -hmm. One that is bothersome for a number of reasons, but if they just go back to who they were against the Chargers this week, it feels like status quo to me. I do start to change my opinion. They lose by 10 to the Chargers, or they lose in tragic fashion again, or they just get beat again. There's, you know, things do change dramatically, which, you know, you don't want to lose the biggest game of the season, because it's not. But it does, it just says a lot about where they actually are feels like the stakes are the highest. I wouldn't say that it's the biggest game of the season, but it feels like it's the game that has the highest stakes. One of those stakes is the division, at least according to some. I found this interesting. This is from Therese Paler earlier this week. No matter how you slice it, it's a concerning loss for Chiefs fans. It's a concerning loss for this team because we have to talk about the AFC West a little bit now. We have to at least talk about it. Do I think they're in danger of losing the AFC? Let me be very clear. No. Okay? Like, let me pull a stat for you. Four of the Chiefs' last six games are against AFC West opponents. Guess what? Andy reached 23-3 and against them since 2015. They're going to be fine down the stretch. 
I agree with that. I don't think that the AFC West is on the line in this game. I don't think that the AFC West is on the line in any game. I'm not I'm not there yet. The Raiders have been outscored on the season. Yeah. The, so they, while the 5 and 4 looks fine, they've been outscored as a team. For instance, the Chiefs have outscored their opponents by a total of like 80 points total. So The Raiders are an 8 and 8 football team, something like that. The Chargers seven, are probably yeah. a 7 and 9 football team. The Broncos stink. This division's not at risk. It was never at risk. It's not going to be at risk. But what is at risk potentially is you being a four seed and then potentially having to travel to New England in the divisional round. And now things kind of go haywire. The loss this week, if they were to lose against the Chargers, first of all, it's 14 days of bad feeling because then you have the bye week and then you've Mm -hmm. got to go into the Raiders game. And now we are going to be talking about the AFC West, even if I don't think it's technically on the line because the Raiders have the, uh, the Bengals this week. Well, because a loss actually puts terrible. it on the line. Exactly. It actually does matter. And so I don't think that the AFC West is on the line right now, but it will be something that is talked about if they lose this game. And that's one of the things that is difficult if you're a Chiefs fan, given where we started the season and where we would be 11 weeks into it. I didn't think – the division hasn't been in play multiple years in a row, really. There's been a couple times late in the season where it looked like the Chargers might be able to if they could. Last year felt just... that way after the Chargers beat the Chiefs, but it didn't end up mattering because they lost the next Not week even against close. the Raiders. They won it by multiple games. Yep. It wasn't. It didn't end up even being close. It does become close if you lose this week because then the Raiders are going to beat the Bengals because they're terrible. And then you were officially playing for the division after the bye, and that's not definitely for the division because the Raiders can certainly lose more games, but too much for your own taste. Way too much for your own taste. He's Cody Tapp. I'm Brandon Kylie. Mizzou's game's getting a little bit more interesting. Mizzou just had a big play over the top. Held Florida just three in the first quarter. That's what I'm going to be watching the next three hours. I enjoyed having you in today, Cody. Thanks so much for stopping no by. Thanks man. for having me. Hopefully we'll be able to do this again. Kramer on the other side of the glass. We appreciate you guys tuning in throughout the day. If you want to check out the podcast, it is on 610sports.com or the radio.com app. We'll be back next week, 10 to noon, right here on 610 Sports Radio. Off with Brandon Kylie, 610 Sports Radio. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com.